there was a woman nominated as Supreme Court Justice. During her confirmation hearings, one of the senators commented to her, we are very concerned and uncomfortable because in your life, it seems like the dogma lives loudly in you. Just to be sure what that meant, I looked it up. No, it meant religion. In Christianity, it refers to a set of core beliefs that a person lives by because of their faith. She happens to be Catholic, so the term was a, is a bit different in that case because Catholics' beliefs are not equal with Christian beliefs. But the core Christian beliefs is the dogma. According to Wikipedia, the divine Godhead consists of three parts, the Father, God himself, the Son, Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit. The essence of Christianity revolves around the life, death, and Christian beliefs on the resurrection of Jesus. Christians believe God sent his son, Jesus, the Messiah, to save the world. As Seventh-day Adventists, we might reference the 28 fundamental beliefs. And I, I have a book here. If you don't have one, you should get one. It's very good. And it explains in detail each one of our beliefs. And I would like to read with you and have you help me number 11. And I need to pass these out so we all have one. I'm going to read the un-underlined and I'll have you join me on the underlined, okay? Yes. I tried to highlight it and it didn't work, so I just, I underlined it. Okay, everybody ready? Growing in Christ. In his death on the cross, Jesus triumphed over the forces of evil. He who subjugated the demonic spirits during his earthly ministry has broken their power and made certain their ultimate doom. Jesus' victory gives us victory over the evil forces that still seek to control us as we walk with him in peace, joy, and assurance of his love. Now the Holy Spirit dwells within us and empowers us. Continually committed to Jesus as our Savior and Lord, we are set free from the burden of our past deeds. No longer do we live in the darkness, fear of evil powers, ignorance, meaninglessness of our former way of life. In this new freedom in Jesus, we are called to grow into the likeness of his character, communing with him daily in prayer, feeding on his word, 
meditating on it and on his providence, singing his praises, gathering together for worship, and participating in the mission of the church. As we give ourselves in loving service to those around us and witnessing to his salvation, his constant presence is with us through the spirit, transforms every moment and every task into a spiritual experience. And I listed all the verses there, so if you would like to at some point, you could do some further study. This is our, out of the 28 fundamental beliefs, this is number 11, and it's the newest one. And I think it's very beautifully written here and something we can all aspire to. Now back to the hearing. Basically, this nominee was standing accused of believing in God too much and putting her faith in her life first. I thought this was quite amazing that a person made the U.S. senators concerned and uncomfortable because of her faith. I never heard such a thing. She was called out on national television. If you've ever seen other justices in their confirmation hearings, the senators are usually looking for past wrongdoings. They're looking for messy divorces, extramarital affairs, abuse of employees, non-payment of taxes. But for her, their objection was her faith. I thought about this accusation. Could I be accused in this same way? Could I be accused of having too much faith? I hope so. It is a question for each of us to ponder. What is the impression we give to those around us, family, neighbors, coworkers, do we demonstrate our faith in our daily lives? It might depend on the snapshot of your life that a person has seen. I saw a Facebook post the other day that says, I have lived to be mature and wise because God protected me when I was young and foolish. I think we all relate some way. Maybe not them. <laughs> when Craig's mother was having her 80th birthday, I prepared a memory book for her. I asked each family member to write a page to her for the book that says what she had meant to them. She had five children, two daughters-in-law, and six grandchildren. They mailed the pages to me ahead of time so I could prepare the book. None of them had seen each other's pages. It was remarkable, extremely remarkable, the results that I received. The children used many of the same phrases to describe their mother and recounted childhood experiences closely related to each other. The daughters-in-law, did the same. 
I had written mine, I was the daughter-in-law, and when I received my sister-in-law's page, it was almost like we had discussed what we were gonna write. For grandchildren, the pages followed the same. The children's pages were the same as each other, the daughter-in-laws were the same as each other, the grandchildren were the same as each other, but the children were different from the grandchildren. You understand what I'm telling you? So depending on the time in her life when she knew or came to know and came to um, impress the different members in her family, they all had the same experience with her, but it was different from the others, the other generation or the other connection. I wonder if we received pages from people we know that said what, how we've influenced them or something. From different part, times of our lives, how they would record it. Maybe it would be intense faith and sharing faith and deep love for the Lord and maybe it wouldn't because there was a time when you walked away. We portray our personalities in different ways to our children and our spouses, and we may be different in our walk of faith at different times in our lives. The time is coming when that faith needs to be stronger than ever. Living our faith and showing others what a meaningful relationship with Jesus looks like is one of our biggest responsibilities as believers. We are living in some perilous times. If you watch the news, you know. The Lord is holding back the winds of strife, and we have work to do. Our work is not to look at the strife. Our work is to look at Jesus. Revelation 7.1 says, After this I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds of the earth to prevent any wind from blowing on the land or on the sea or on any tree. <clears throat> then I saw another angel coming up from the east, having the seal of the living God. He called out in a loud voice to the four angels who had been given power to harm the land and sea. Do not harm the land and sea or the trees until we have put the seal on the foreheads of the servants of God. That's who we're supposed to be, the servants of God. And we will be sealed. And that's a promise. Whether we accept it or not, as Seventh-day then as Christians, we are ambassadors of Christ to the people around us. Jesus chose to describe it as you are the light of the world. Today we're going to be discussing different kinds of light. For an illustration, I'm going to use a candle. Maybe we could turn the lights down, Linda. I mean, it's a candle. You know what a candle looks like. Yeah, not all of them, just that. 
For this illustration, we'll use a candle. A candle that is lit gives a certain amount of light. Candle power is the unit of measurement for light intensity. Have you heard of that term before? Candle power? The average 60 watt bulb, light bulb for your house, will produce somewhere between 50 and 55 candle power. Brought a flashlight. The flashlight, the candle looks brighter. This flashlight has 12 candle power. So one candle does not give a lot of light. But in the dark, it certainly draws the eye and illuminates the pathway. Scripture again and again uses the image of light to refer to Jesus and his teachings and to those who follow after him. Jesus is described as the light itself. We should accept it that we are the light of the world. When Jesus spoke these words, he was trying to explain that this is who we are as children of God. We are the only light the dark world has. Churches are made of people, and together we form one candle, uh, one light, I'm sorry, like a beacon that communicates the message of Jesus. Even though we're individuals, we are part of the same light. Spiritually speaking, what is the source of the light? Jesus. If we are lit candles, where does the light come from? From God and from his love and mercy. John 13, verses 34 and 35, Jesus said, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. There's another piece to this little demonstration, and it must be deeper in my, I thought it was right away. So I'm going to ask the lights come back on. I'm going to leave this lit because when I get there, we'll want it. Okay. We're going to have a reading now for, with Craig and, and Jamie. Is the red mic working? Okay, you're gonna have to share a mic. And I'm just gonna sit down while you do it. This reading is from the first chapter of John. John chapter 1, verse 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, 
and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and through the world was made through him. And the world was made through him, and the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, but born of God concerning that light, so that through him all might believe. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me, because he was before me. Out of his fullness we have all received grace, in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Jesus gives us a picture of a city on a hill not being hidden and the candle in the house filling the house with light. The candle on the candlestick represents the believer letting his or her light shine through their lives. When God tells someone, no, when we tell someone about our own path of faith, our struggles and how God helped us, we are shining. When we tell someone we be, what we believe and why we believe, we're shining more. In a recent survey, it was determined that 56% of people view their spiritual life as entirely private. That's because in today's culture, it's not politically correct. As fewer people talk about their faith, then fewer people will hear about faith. The result of our light shining is twofold. First, there will be individuals who hear, who will be drawn to the light. People will see the light that you have. They will hear your testimony and they'll want to investigate this Jesus that you have been talking about. They will come to faith because of the seeds of light that you have placed in their lives. If a reflector or a mirror is added, the candlelight is brighter. This is a little um, candle, not yet. This is a little um, lamp and it is from the 1900s. It belonged to Craig's grandmother and I'm not lighting it because it's old. Um, but there's a little place to hold it so you can walk around with it and it has 
reflector on the back. And this reflector is brass, it's rusted, but it's brass and they would polish this to like a mirror shine because it would reflect the light better and make a bigger, brighter light than just the candlelight itself. And that's where <coughs> the mirror comes in. Let's turn the light off and see if it reflects. Okay, maybe it does. But at least there's two candles there. There's the one you're looking at and the one that's reflected. So at least it's doubled, right? So if it, okay, now it can go back on. This is the light that glorifies God, the reflector glorifies God. When we are true lights, the people will not see us, but they'll see God in us. When you glorify God, you're praising him and his nature. When our light shines, people see God and praise him. We need to commit ourselves to be the light that helps people find their way to the love, the forgiveness, the grace offered by the divine services of Jesus. We have to be both the candle and the mirror. We're going to watch a little video here. Lights. Yes, lights. Oh, he knows how to turn them off. the screen, Jedediah. The screen. Okay.
Revelation 7:17 says, for the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of living water and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to come into our hearts and be the light for us so that we can share that light and reflect that light of praise and thankfulness and all the things that come with it for you to others around us. Help us to have a, a good report on our page that our page says they had too much faith because there's never enough faith. We thank you, Lord, for all the blessings you give us every day, and especially for this gift. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. amen. Now, Linda.